This is the All Into Clemson Football Podcast, the official, unofficial podcast of the Clemson Tigers. It was a sloppy win, uh, but I'd rather have a sloppy win than a than an ugly loss uh, any day of the week. What's up, everybody? Briley here along with Carter, and you have picked a great episode to join us because we will, of course, be recapping Clemson's surprisingly dramatic victory over the Syracuse Orange Auto (laughs) on Saturday. And let me tell you something. It was especially dramatic for one person in particular. Uh, Did you hear about this? The person who wagered $8,600 to win $8.60. <laughs> and they won, They would win that amount, and they did win that amount because Clemson won the game outright. And that's right, $8,600 for $8.60. You think that's like a drunk bet, or is that someone that just has so no, much money? No, it wasn't a drunk bet, but... I tell you what, I mean, it was worth it because that Little Caesars pizza that we ate before here <laughs> tasted pretty good, right? That's right. <laughs> and I was able to splurge for some crazy bread as well. So there we go. Totally worth it. Although I did burn my mouth on that pizza, so it didn't come back to bite me, unfortunately. All right, here's what we have in store for you today. First, we will discuss the pivotal plays and top takeaways. You like that? A little I do like rhyming that. going yes. on. We'll talk about that from this last game. We'll also hear from the coaches and players uh, from their post-game pressers on those subjects. And after that, we have a brand new segment that we debuted last week, but uh, we will continue this week. Carter will continue this week. Easily my new favorite segment of our podcast. Easily. I think you could probably agree almost. Like, yeah, I could. It's sneaking up on you a little bit. Is it because I have to leave for it? Yes. I have to leave again. In the middle of this podcast, unfortunately, but Carter will take over and he will talk to the 100% totally real Dabo Sweeney. Yes, that is right. I get to talk on this podcast, if you can believe that. Hard to believe. I'm glad we don't do it any more than it already happens. (laughs) Of course, he will talk to Coach Dabo and get his honest and real thoughts on the game. And finally, we will cap this episode off by naming our Tiger Kings and Carol Baskins of the week. All right, let's go ahead and jump into our pivotal plays and top takeaways. I thought that Brent Venables explained it best after the game. And here's what he had to say. Just one of those days, you just go down the list and went, oh, that happened. Oh, man, that happened. Oh, 85 yards. Oh, that happened. You know, just go down the list. And it's like, oh, man. You name it, it happened. And he said that with the cheesiest grin I've ever seen in my life. Speaking of naming that, I got a list of things here that, that happened. You oh, want to hear good. those? You, you always go for the negatives here. So let's it, go for it. it. What do you have? Definitely an interesting game. I think everything that could happen in a football game basically happened in this game. So let me go through the list here. We had a blocked punt. Well, that happened. <laughs> Thank you, Trevor, for adding that. Hey, can you do that for the rest of this list, actually? Okay, go ahead. Finish your list. We also had a missed field goal. And that happened. We then also had a pick six against Trevor Lawrence. Well, that happened. We also had plenty of injuries. Oh, and that happened. And finally, we gave up an 85-yard touchdown pass. Oh, 85-yard. Oh, that happened. I mean, woof. There's just no other way to describe this game. I mean, we like to blow things out of proportion on this podcast. I don't know what you're talking about. I thought that was a great game. <laughs> 
Thank you. And of course, it was a great game because Clemson ended up winning 47 to 21. But there are plenty of bad things to discuss in that first half and really the second half as well. So let's talk about them and let's we will blow them out of proportion. But uh, we will. There are things to discuss in this game that did not go very well. But let's talk about something that was fun. So we'll start with our pivotal plays here, the plays that really caught our attention or that turned this game on a dime. The first one was ETN's beautiful spin move in his run into the end zone for a touchdown. And of course, this happened, I think it was the play right after the announcers. And we'll get to the ACC network here at the end of the show. Oh, of course. Woof. So we'll we'll save that. Uh, but this was right after the announcers were discussing how lethargic the Tigers looked. And of course, they were actually right about that. But hot dang, that was a great run. <laughs> and um, hot dang, great way to describe it. Yes. We'll also get to, we'll, we'll discuss here in a bit of how uh, we feel about the offensive line and, and the running game. But ETN has kind of saved the running stats for us here. And he has turned plays, average plays, into amazing plays. And I'm all on board with the, the Clemson Twitter account started the hashtag ETN for Heisman. And I think I'm on board with that right now. He's looking like the best player on the field by far. He obviously was the only one that listened to this podcast last week when I said we should run the ball. Absolutely. I said it too. So don't take all the credit. Sorry, for my, bad, my bad. My yeah. bad. Actually, we've been saying that for a few weeks now, to tell you the truth. I feel like... I hate to toot our own horn. Really, I love to. But uh, we've been talking about the running game, the receivers, and the offensive line a lot on this podcast. And those were all things that kind of reared their ugly head in this game. Not to mention, Trevor Lawrence has now thrown two interceptions this season, which means give the ball to ETN. Yes, and that came right after you saying that he wouldn't throw an interception the whole daggone season. That's right. So good work by you. I cursed BT Potter. You cursed (laughs) Trevor Lawrence. Good job. Okay, so that was the first play that really got me out of my seat. I was pumped about that. That was a beautiful spin move. He's got like the spin move where he just looks like a video game, you know, like those old NCAA football games where you would like spin the whole team out of their pants. You know, that's just what it looked like. You also just don't see spin moves in general that really work. In football, actually, typically you'll see like a quarterback try a spin move and just get laid out. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like he, it's not like those spin moves that he does are like super quick either, you know, to get around one defender. I watched it again, kind of in slow-mo and you can see him. He kind of looks to, to his left and he sees the opening and, and instead of like juking, you can, I, you can just see it. <laughs> I, w- I don't want to say on his face because I couldn't see his face, but I saw his head turn. And then I saw him do the spin move and I was just like, that is so beautiful. Everything is so slow to him. He can pick those uh, spots out. And so that was really awesome to see. The second pivotal play that I have for you here is the Syracuse punt block, uh, which eventually led to a Syracuse touchdown. And this, of course, is the fourth blocked kick so far this season. That's an interesting stat when three of them happened in one game. Yeah. You could just say that it was a bad game, but there's obviously some issues here in the blocking department that uh, I, I thought would have been addressed by now. I, I know that those were field goals and this is a punt and it happens, but no big deal. But what do you say we quit letting uh, kicks get blocked? OK, well, let's just make that we happen liked right it now. when we didn't have to talk about special teams. Exactly. <laughs> I think we did start this season off <laughs> by saying we weren't going to have to talk about, uh, talk about the special teams and lucky here. So. Uh, that's something that we need to get cleaned up. 
And then another play, and we just spoke about this, but Trevor Lawrence's, this was his first pick six of, of his career uh, at Clemson. And it was just kind of an ugly pass, to tell you the truth. He had a couple of them. Just threw it behind him. Yeah, it wasn't good. And that actually allowed Syracuse to keep it interesting heading into the second half. And I mean, this game, I think, you know, if they had scored on that drive, the game would have been put away. And of course, I tweeted at the beginning of the game after they scored that first on that first drive, the first touchdown, I was like, all right, great. I hope everybody enjoys the rest of their Saturday because this one was over within a minute and a half. (laughs) And it turned into a little bit longer than that. So those were certainly key plays that allowed Syracuse to stay in the game. But there's sort of a key sequence that I wrote down here and took notes on that totally changed the game. The game went from a close game to obviously in Clemson's hands at this point. So there was, I think we all watched this, the third down conversion that Syracuse had right on their own goal line, um, and then which gave them some space. And then the next play on first down, they went for an 83-yard touchdown pass, which by the way, that receiver had one reception for 83 yards. <laughs> Heck of a day. <laughs> Would you take... 10 receptions for 80 yards or one reception for 80 yards and a touchdown. I'd well, probably take the one reception for 80 yards and a touchdown. Probably. Yeah, I would agree. Okay. I'm glad we got that out of the way. But so that happened. Four plays, 96 yards, bam. So then they're within six points at this point. Clemson doesn't score. They punt, give Syracuse the ball. And on the next possession, the defense steps up, and the defense was the story of this game, the, the positive story, how about I put it that way, because there was a lot of negative that happened in this game. But the defense balled out, except for two plays, <laughs> where they gave up uh, a bunch of their yards. We'll talk about that in a second well, here. But Can we just talk about that for just a second? Sure. Because that happened near the end of the third quarter, where Syracuse literally had the ball almost at the end of the third quarter, and they could have gone down and scored and taken the lead. On Clemson. Taking the lead. That should not be happening. <laughs> no, it should not be. And I was, I don't know, were you a little nervous at that point? I, I had to like, honestly, I wasn't nervous at all. I was sitting there and I was, it was, I was sort of in shock in a way, but not really because Syracuse always plays this team <laughs> well for some reason. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I was just, I never felt like the, I just trust our players at this point. I never yeah. felt like the game was really in threat. I wouldn't say nervous at all. It was just sitting there watching like, what is going on actually? Like at some point I knew Clemson was going to kick it into gear, but it just took a lot longer than I thought. Yes, it did <laughs> eventually. But and th- again, this sequence is where, where it really changed. So again, Syracuse had the ball with a chance to take the lead and they actually go three and out. Now, I, I mean, I questioned Dino Babers choice here when it was third and one or excuse me it was fourth and one and they had momentum and they were moving the ball against Clemson and he decided to punt which actually (laughs) worked out fairly well for them because that was the punt where they downed it inside the I think it was at the three or something Mm -hmm. like that and then and then uh you know the Tigers again didn't get anything going that and uh, Syracuse got the ball back and then that's when everything really did change. So not only did they get that stop, the offense doesn't make anything happen, but they get another stop on the next drive. And that's where Brian Brzee stripped the ball and Andrew Booth scooped it up and ran it back for a touchdown. And Nolan uh, Turner had something to say about that play. It's just great to see guys just coming up and making big plays in the second half, like Brzee's big, I think it was Brzee's big sack and then Booth scoop and score. I mean, that's you know probably the um, biggest play in the game. 
He's absolutely right. That was the biggest play of the game because at, after that point, Clemson dominated the game and they put Syracuse away. And so that was absolutely the key sequence of the defense bailing out the offense and making sure that they kept this game, they kept Syracuse at arm's length. And I mean, it doesn't change the fact that Syracuse still could have taken the lead at at yeah, one point. I in was going to say, can we talk about this once again? They had two possessions in a row where they could have taken the lead, and Clemson's offense didn't. They, I mean, they had to punt like two possessions in a row where Syracuse could have taken the lead that's, in the third quarter. That's maybe where I got a little nervous, but. No, I, was, I still wasn't all that nervous. So I mean, I'd say that's the first time I'd say Clemson's offense really been stifled all season. Yeah, I mean, they just looked a little out of sync. So let's go ahead and let's move into our key takeaways. So those were the plays, and uh, actually one more play. There was nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. Clemson was up a couple of scores, but Jalen Phillips showed excellent effort on this play. So this is actually where the Syracuse running back ran for sixty-three yards down the field. This was the other chunk play that they had. And he got inside the 10-yard line, but Jalen Phillips pushed him out of bounds, saved the touchdown on that play. And then the very next play, he picks the ball off Mm -hmm. in the end zone, keeps them from scoring. And they, I mean, the the game was, I think, probably already out of... It was pretty much over at that point, but... Yeah, but that was... I love that. I mean, I and you could see... uh, you know, you could see the coaching staff on the sidelines and Venables, they they showed them on the sideline. He was just smiling from ear to ear after that. What a hustle play. I mean, that was just the perfect illustration of what it means to hustle and then being rewarded for that hustle. Okay, so those were our pivotal plays. Let's move on to our top takeaways. I think the first one and the most important one is that ultimately this will be a good wake-up call for this team. This seems to happen every year, okay? There's always... One of these games where Clemson doesn't play, and and listen, it's bound to happen, okay? You're not always going to be on the top of your game every week, but it happened, okay? So let's put it behind us and let's get better. I think this will serve as a wake-up call for uh, specifically the starters, okay? So I talked to Anna during the preview episode of how how is this coaching staff keep, keeping trying to keep this team engaged? And she mentioned how they're getting a bunch of players in, getting the backups in, and getting them playing time, which of course keeps them engaged. But my real question at this point is, how do we keep the starters focused? Because they were the ones who didn't come out and perform the way that we wanted them to perform right away. And so when they play Boston College next week, I think thankfully it's only a week removed from this kind of poor, poor performance. So they'll be awake to it. But what happens when they play Florida State later on after the Notre Dame game and all these different things, How are they going to keep them engaged? So let's hope that this is a wake-up call that keeps them awake through the rest of this season. All right, the second takeaway that I had here, and I feel like this is a takeaway almost every week, unfortunately, but they still can't run the dang ball. Just run the dang ball, (laughs) okay? And especially against a defense that, by the way, holy cow, this is insane, gave up 700 rushing yards combined to both Duke and Liberty the last two weeks. You heard me right. Combined 700 yards to each of the, or 300 yards to each of those teams, 700 combined. I mean, it's kind of weak when you only are able to get 142 yards and average four yards an attempt. I mean, come on, let's be better than that. So this team really seems to be like a boom or bust type of team where we have that beautiful Travis Etienne run, but then, you know, they don't pick up a ton of yards after that. And or, you know, consistently, they don't pick up the chunk plays of six or seven or eight yards. 
And uh, of course, Travis Etienne fumbled again in this game. They recovered it, which was great. Uh, but here's also what he said. This was a funny thing that he had to say about why he left the game multiple times. Just uh, this morning, uh, we did eat breakfast, uh, got up, got a uh, little, little, little bowl of Frosted Flakes and just hit the road, kind of uh, definitely got to just next time, give me some eggs, some sausage, just eat, eat, eat well. So uh, see, see what happens when I try to eat uh, Frosted Flakes and just come out there and play a full game. So I definitely got to just eat better um, in the morning next, uh, next weekend. <laughs> All right, I'm lab labeling this. I'm the first one here. Nobody else take it. This is Frosted Flakes Gate. Okay. <laughs> I don't think you have to worry about someone taking that. <laughs> I'm sticking. Oh, wow. Thanks a lot. Okay, so this Flakes Gate, and I, I always thought that Tony the Tiger would be like our, our greatest ally. It would only make sense that he would be, but of course not. So let's hope that Dabo is out making him breakfast every day. Give him those eggs and sausage. Just give it to him, okay? I can just picture that Dabo Sweeney cooking in the kitchen some eggs and bacon in the locker ETN. room yeah <laughs> come on in for breakfast <laughs> come and get it so let's hope that that gets fixed all right so that's those are our first two takeaways i believe you have another takeaway here for us yes uh, and we were talking about this before we started the podcast that we were talking that we're not a huge fan of the the play selection especially from the passing perspective of it trevor lawrence threw the ball 44 times yikes what that said like for, Shouldn't have to throw the ball 44 times against Syracuse, but we can just get past that. <laughs> he averages the ball throwing it only six yards per attempt. Like he's just That's not throwing long. the ball down the field. I, <laughs> yeah. I got some specific stats for you here. Oh, I so like he's got he threw 13 behind the line of scrimmage passes, mostly to Etienne <laughs> and Amari Rogers. And these are like those swing passes, right? Yep. Which are working okay, but 13 passes behind the line of scrimmage. I feel like. We'll get into that in here in a second. We'll talk about that. But then he also, Trevor Lawrence only threw the ball, excuse me, I have that backwards. He threw the ball 12 times less than 10 yards down the field. <laughs> and we were just talking about this, how we see those two stats that he they threw 13 screen passes or, or passes behind the line of scrimmage and 12 passes that went less than 10 yards. First thought that came to mind was a backup quarterback in the NFL that's just <laughs> trying to win the game, to survive. But we're sitting here thinking, like, we have Trevor Lawrence. We have the best quarterback in the nation. And yet we're throwing 25 passes, less than 10 yards. So what do you think the reason is for that? Because, I, I mean, obviously they want to get their playmakers the ball, which is Amari Rogers, who had eight receptions, but none of them were caught <laughs> 10 yards. They were all 10 yards or, or fewer. So they were either behind the line of scrimmage or he caught balls that didn't go in the air more than 10 yards. So I know they want to get him the ball in ETN, so that's where a lot of that comes from. But why aren't they passing the ball further down the field? I, I honestly don't know. I mean, we have, I say it every week, we have weapons, but obviously they're not developing. Like, give me another wide, give me a number two wide receiver right now. Like, who's our number two wide receiver? Cornell Powell. And that's just because he had a touchdown this last game? Yeah, and I'm not saying he's not like the true playmaker that we need to see on the outside. I mean, do you think they're not creating separation down the field? That That's sort of my guess at this point. I, I don't know. I mean, can they create down the field when they throw 25 screen passes, basically, <laughs> in a game? Well, okay, so here, here's what else happened was, uh, the you know, Trevor Lawrence's, the rest of his passes were, uh, he threw eight of them that were between 10 and 20 yards, but then he threw seven that were 20 yards or further down the field. And he was only one of seven on those passes. 
And so that's why I ask you, I don't think the receivers are really creating a whole lot of space at this point. It seems to me when he throws the ball deep down the field, either Frank lats and drops the ball. <laughs> yes, that's a very good point. Or they throw it and, you know, the receivers are covered. And so, I don't know. I, I think you're right that we're not really seeing the development of the wide receivers. And that's obviously something that we need to see because eventually it becomes predictable. Like when you throw the ball 15 times that short, teams are going to know what's happening. Yeah, and I think we brought it up last week on the podcast saying that we weren't a fan again of how many screen passes there were. And here we are again throwing, I mean, same game plan. Yeah. I feel like something needs to change where obviously the wide receivers aren't developing properly or maybe even just play calling is where the problem is. Yeah, and I think the receivers have struggled with injuries, so that's why they haven't played and maybe why they haven't developed yet, but... But we're going to run to the issue, though, of like teams are going to double team Amari Rodgers. Like, what the heck are we going to do now? They like, should be doing it now is what I they mean, should be doing. Very good point. Yeah. I mean, if you were to look right now at film of Clemson, like you'd be like, oh, I just need to stop Amari Rodgers and some screen passes to ETN. Well, the other screen, guys would just drop the ball. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. True. So let's hope that changes. Okay. The, these are all things that we've sort of been talking about throughout the season that we're not seeing the growth in yet. And so uh, we're over halfway through the season at this point. Let's start seeing these changes. They've crushed teams. This We don't want to overreact. This is the first game that they've struggled in. But let's see those changes next week for sure. Uh, something good, though, that has happened throughout this season and has been a pleasant surprise. And this is our final takeaway is that the defense has been great and they don't really give up long touchdown drives or, or scoring drives. But our only complaint is that they do continue to give up these big plays for some reason. So uh, first of all, Darion Kendrick didn't play because he injured his knee in practice this week. So maybe that contributed to some of this. But overall, they gave up over 300 yards of offense this week. But they only gave up 181 yards outside of two the two big plays that they gave up. So there was, of course, the 83-yard touchdown pass in the third quarter. And then they gave up a 61-yard uh, rush in the fourth quarter that Jalen Phillips pushed the guy out of, and they got the interception after that. But if you take those plays away from the game, they only gave up 181 yards, which is fantastic, by the way. And they forced four turnovers. I mean, this defense is really good if they could just clean up those, I don't know if they're miscommunications. Brent Venables mentioned after the game that maybe he was putting uh, the defense in the wrong call or the, or the wrong situations, uh, which, you know, it happens every now and then. But we've seen this uh, several times this season where they're good for most of the game and then they give up a couple of big plays. And uh, thankfully it didn't hurt them again, but let's see that cleaned up as well. Okay, I think that about covers it, you think? I think so. All right, good. So we just got all the serious stuff out of the way, thankfully. Let's have some fun. That's right. Okay? Nothing no, nothing too much to overreact about. That's right. Let's move on to Boston College. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, but before we do that, we still have some more for you in this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to take you to Carter's Coach's Corner, and he's going to talk to, uh, again, the 100% totally real, unfake Dabo Sweeney. That's right. And I've been texting back and forth with him, and he's got some, he's got some real honest things to All say. All right. That's what I like to hear. Unfortunately, I have to leave for that again. Uh, but I'm sure you'll give me the lowdown after I get back. And then after that, we are going to give you the Tiger Kings and Carol Baskins of the week. So before we do that, let's take a quick 30 second break to hear from our sponsor, Anchor Podcasts. 
Welcome back in everybody to our one of our new favorite segments we call Carter's Coach's Corner. We debuted this last week where we call Dabo Sweeney himself and he gives us the straight honest answers that you are looking for. Now, if you remember, we have our useless sound montage that we play every week of coaches answering questions from reporters the way the typical answer will be from a coach. He's not going to give the true honest answer for the whole public. So I, after I've seen so much of this, I've decided, and I we debuted it last week, and I decided just to text, text up our friend Dabo Sweeney and asked if he would come on the podcast and really give us the real honest answers. And believe it or not, he said he would. Trevor here is telling me that we have Coach Dabo on the line now. Dabo, can you hear me? Hey, Carter, what's going on, my man? I'm so happy to be back here for another chance to uh, be honest with the public. Very good. I, I am glad you decided to come back because this is one of our new favorite segments. And I think I think uh, our viewers really enjoyed your honesty. And it's it's good to hear the real an- answers that coaches are really thinking. Yeah, I mean, that's what I do. I tell you what, I mean, part of my job is to be nice to people at press conferences because, you know, I got to work with them every day. But I tell you what, I get so sick and tired of them asking the stupid daggone questions that they ask every week every week it's this that blah 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 you know what you cut through all that bull crap and i'm thankful for that so what's i i I hear you got some questions for me today i do i'm gonna ask you the same exact questions that reporters did but this is your chance to let it all out let all your anger out and just just let them have it you think you could give us those answers for us Oh, I am plenty angry this week. Yes, I am so ready. All right, very good. So I'm going to ask you the question, and then I'll actually play you your response that you had to them. And then once that once your response is done, you can give your true, honest answer. All right? All right. Sounds like a plan. All right. So the first question we have for you that was asked is, what is it about Clemson and Syracuse that these games always happen? And this was your response. The game's not played on paper. Uh, you know, they ain't been played on paper. You know, these are, these are young people and both sides want to win. I think both sides have, our guys have a lot of respect for Syracuse and, and they have a lot of respect for us. And, you know, both teams playing hard. And you know, at the end of the day, again, it's, it's, it's a four quarter football game. All right, Dabo, that was your response. Can you give us what you were thinking actually? Well, yes, yes. I, I need to clarify something because, uh, of course, that you know, the politics and all that happened during that press conference. But one thing is for certain, I do not, I repeat, I do not respect Syracuse or Dino Bears. You hear me? Did you hear me right? I mean, we, hear, stand, okay? <laughs> we hear you loud and They're clear. They're terrible. <laughs> all right, good, good. I just want to make that clear because... They're a terrible program who I will never, ever forgive for beating us, what, what was that, three years ago in 2017, we were up in New York. I mean, that was a joke of a game. We handed it to them, and I'll never forgive them for that. And so I promise that from here on out, we would not lose to this team by any fewer than 40 points. And, of course, we did this week. But let me tell you how these games are decided, okay? I said that these games aren't decided on paper. Well, that's sort of true in one sense, but – in a much truer sense, they are decided on paper because the way that we decide how these games work is Dino and I get together before the game, and uh, I'm sure everybody's played this. You know that paper football? You just fold a, a, a piece of paper into a little triangle, and that becomes your football. Have you ever played that, Carter? I sure have, yes. When I was a kid, I did all the time. Oh, 
Oh, oh, okay, good. Well, we still play that, and that's how we decide how the game is going to go on Saturday. Is Friday night, we sit down for some beers, and uh, I make fun of Dino because, you know, his program sucks, and uh, ours is much better. <laughs> and we play a little game of that paper football, and whatever the score is in that game is how the score plays out on Saturday. Uh, does that make sense? I don't know if that's big news or not, but that's that's the way that it works around here. I think that is very big news. I don't think I have ever heard that before. <laughs> oh, really? I mean, it happens everywhere in college football. It's it's kind of the thing to do as a coach. It's actually what I get paid the most to do. Really? Oh, I've heard of uh, betting scandals and things like that, but I've never heard of paper football contests to determine the game uh, the next day. That I've not heard of that before. I'd like to see the NCAA come after me for that. Bring it on. <laughs> well, well, let's keep that one quiet just between you and uh, our, our fans here. Uh, our next question we got for you uh, that the reporter asked you is, do you have any concerns with your offensive line and the run game? And this was your response. I uh, do not. Short and sweet. you have anything to add to that, coach? <laughs> oh, Carter, I tell you what, sometimes I crack myself up. I do not. That's the biggest lie I've ever told in my entire life. We got a bunch of fat, fat, fatties on the offensive line who can't block a brick wall if they had to. I mean, Travis Etienne is the best running back in the country, right behind Niles Pinkney, of course. I told you last week that he was going to be a starting running back, but unfortunately that didn't work out. And, uh, of course, next week, Will Spire is going to be our starting running back and quarterback. And uh, so you understand how that works. But, yeah, our offensive line is terrible, and uh, they can't block anybody. And I tell you what, we ain't going to win the natty with this offensive line. We need to really fire these boys up with something. I don't know how to do it. Like, I only gave uh, Travis Etienne, uh, you know, Frosted Flakes for breakfast, and I gave the offensive line pancakes and eggs and sausage and bacon. Well, I think I'm going to have to reverse it a little bit and – and I tell you what, if I get lucky, then maybe all the offensive line will go out with cramps and we'll be able to bring in some of our different players to play offensive line. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You think you could ever put uh, Will Spires in at center? Oh, I tell you what, daggone. That, he's the best player we have on this team. I mean, he could play whatever position he wanted to, but for some reason he wants to play punter. And, uh, well, you know how I feel about kickers and punters, but I love me some punters. So I, uh, I'll do whatever he tells me to do. <laughs> Very good. All right. All right, we got one more last question for you. You got the time for us, Coach? Oh, absolutely. Fantastic. All right, the last question the reporter asked you was, as far as the energy level, was it off at all to start the game? And this was your response to that question. <laughs> uh, I thought we got up 17 nothing. I thought we went right down the field and uh, scored on open drive. So, you know, I, I just want to make sure I'm at the right, right press conference here. We, we did win the game, I think. Uh, Make sure I'm at the right spot. Am I in the right spot? Okay, I'll make sure. I think we won the game. Uh, so, uh, I think we won it. So, I, you know, you don't usually score 47 points if you don't have right energy. Uh, I think you were pretty funny with your response there, but you have anything to add to that, Coach? Well, I, I think I need to clarify what I meant by that answer. At that moment, I was truly confused about if I was at the right press conference or not, or if we had won the game or not. And truthfully, I was kind of sleepwalking. Like I've, I've mastered since, you know, since the ACC has not been good for uh, a very long time, I've decided to catch up on some sleep during the games. And uh, 
I usually do that by just like standing up and walking down the sideline with my eyes open, but really I am asleep the whole time. <laughs> and of course, that's why I give the coach speak answers during the press conferences because uh, I'm sleep talking at that moment too. So I, I think that probably makes sense to you now. So that's why, you know, during the games, we always crush the opponent. So I, I usually try to take a nap. And then during the press conferences, nah, reporters ask terrible questions. So, you know, I just give them my, my sleep walking and sleep talking answers. And unfortunately, this time, I woke up right in the middle of the press conference, like right there. Bam. And my eyes were open. I was like, oh, 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 where the heck am I? And uh, of course, thankfully, I kept my cool and it, I made it sound sarcastic, you know, and things like that. that. I mean, that's why they pay me the big bucks, that and the paper football, of course. But yeah, that, that's what happened. I was truly confused about where I was. And I guess I was in the right press conference and I guess we won, right? So <laughs> I had to go back and look at the film. But uh, well, there I go back into my coach speak. I'm, a, I'm not asleep, I promise. No, I was about to ask idea. that. <laughs> That's yeah, very so does that impressive. That, that, that does make sense. That's very impressive. How so? You're telling me every time you're walking, you're pacing back and forth throughout the game. Now, and you're sleeping throughout that. Like, oh, I am totally asleep. I don't even need sleeping pills for that. I mean, I tell you what, I, I I'm recruited so well that uh, I could sleep through the whole season, win the Natty, crush Alabama, and boom, I wake up be the most rested, greatest coach of all time. So that's my goal is to eventually sleep through the whole season, wake up at the end with a natty in my hands, and uh, then waltz right into the Hall of Fame. Well, I got one follow-up question for you with that. So you're sleepwalking and throughout all the game. So does that mean when some bad play happens by a player and you go off on them and you yell and all of that, are you mad at them for the play that they made? Or is that you waking up mad? Is that is that them waking you up and you're mad about that? Yeah, what's crazy is I'm such a good coach that I wake up every time there's a bad play. So, you know, when Trevor when uh, Trevor Lawrence threw that terrible interception, interception, that pick six, well, I got right up in his face because that woke me right up. I know when those happen. So that's what I mean. I Like, I'm good at this. Does that make not, not make sense to you, Carter? Like, I know when I need to wake up and when I don't. Listen, and I make mistakes sometimes when I wake up right in the middle of a press conference. That was a big mistake, <laughs> but... You know, it happens to the best of us sometimes, and I am the best. Well, you played it off rather smooth, I would say, Coach. Well, thank you for taking the time with us, Coach. I really appreciate you uh, just sitting down and just being honest and just being who you really are with us. I really appreciate that. Of course. I'm so glad that I can take my coach pants off and put on my friend pants because that's what you are to me as a friend. And it just makes me feel real nice that my all my honesty can get out on this wonderful podcast. So all of you out there, be sure to keep listening to Carter. Not Briley. That guy's an idiot. But, you know, Carter, stick around for this Coach's Corner stuff. It's fun. Well, very good. We really appreciate the time, Coach. And we're looking forward to have you on again in the future. All right, sounds good. Have a good week. All right. There we go. All right, and stick around, and we'll, we'll give you the final segment of the podcast with our Tiger King and Carol Baskins. All right, and we're back, and I'm back. How was, how was Dabo this week? Oh, it was great. Was he riled up? He Is he never? I mean, <laughs> that's the real question. He's great. Always good to talk with our friend Dabo. Of course. I'm glad he could join. I'll look forward to listening back to it. Please so, do, of course. Okay. We have several names for each of these honors. 
And they're both honors, by the way. Very high honors. I know Carol Baskin isn't really an honor to most people, but it is here <laughs> because you we're talking about you, which is an honor in and of itself. Okay, so the first Tiger King is Jalen Phillips. We already talked about his play, but his touchdown saving tackle and interception on the next play, again, he is that's the perfect illustration of what we want this, really what the defense is in general. Just a bunch of tough guys, hardworking guys who aren't really superstars, but who have anchored a really great defense so far. So hats off to Jalen this week. He is our first Tiger King of the week. Very good. We now we have our first Carol Baskins of the week, which is always our some of our most favorite times. We'd like to make fun of people for that. <laughs> and our first Carol Baskins, we have Dino Babers running away from ETN. <laughs> now, can you describe this a little bit for us, please? I can try my best. I'm not the best at it, but it just happened on a play where ETN was running towards the Syracuse sidelines. And I don't know if Dino Babers wasn't paying attention totally, but all of a sudden he's got this big dude running right for him. He seems like he was paying very close attention to this. <laughs> I don't know if this is totally Carol Baskins worthy because it scared him at first, but then afterwards he sprinted and he looked pretty fast. I think he could outrun both of us easily. He, he looked pretty smooth. He made up for himself because he tripped over, I think, what was the first down marker? Yeah, something? he played it off pretty good, I'd say. So I don't know what I would do in that situation, but he played it, I think, off pretty good. But we're still going to have to give him the Carol Baskins. All right, nice try, Dino. All right, the second Tiger King award that we have to pass out is to our new, what I'm calling for, our new starting quarterback and starting running back. The first ever. He's, I don't even know what you would call that because it's not a dual threat. He would be like the first dual position player. He's our wild card. And here we are once again talking about punters. Yes. <laughs> of course, we're talking about Will Spires. Duh, not only did he have, he averaged, I think it was over 50 yards a punt, but he picked up a first down on a fake punt and he looked, I mean, he just looks sexy out there. I mean, he looked <laughs> great. He, by the way, he's got the hair too. So it's almost like he's, he should be pointing to Trevor and like, hey buddy, I'm coming for you. <laughs> and he could punt, Trevor can't punt. So, I mean, Will Spires coming in clutch again this week. I look forward to seeing how they utilize him next week. I said that's two weeks in a row now that he's been implemented into the offense. That's right. He threw the ball last week, ran the ball this week, and punted Boston both times. College better be watching some film. That's, that's for right. Sure. That's right. We'll see if they talk about him in the pregame for the uh, pregame press conferences. All right. And the next Carol Baskins we have for you is Amon Greenwood, the professional juggler. <laughs> the juggler? Sorry, juggler. juggler. That's a hard word to pronounce. <laughs> Don't make fun of me too much. Guess where that's going to end up. You got it. <laughs> Come back for the preview with the <laughs> worthless sound collection. Yes, but obviously he needs to do, he needs to practice a little bit more on his juggling because. He, need, he needs to, they need to get him a jug machine. You know, the, you know, yeah, the there you go. Just machine. shoot footballs at him. As he, uh, he should have had, inter Trevor Lawrence should have had two interceptions this game. Well, it would have been four it. interceptions because he almost <laughs> picked it off three times in one play. Yes, yeah, so he was tipping it up to himself and just couldn't quite grab it out of the air, which was quite entertaining to watch, if I do say so myself. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how you drop it three different times. It's unfortunate, but. Uh, fortunate for us Tiger fans, though. So, all right. The last Tiger King that we have for you is, of course, Travis Etienne. And it's not because he scored three touchdowns or because he had the highlight of the day, but it's because of his perseverance. He overcame so much to accomplish those things. In fact, I want this to be in 
you know, college game day next week, Tom Rinaldi. I just like knowing that I eat the same breakfast as Travis Etienne. Like, how does I mean, that makes me feel really good about myself? And hey, listen, when was the last time you had to come out of a football game because you only had Frosted Flakes for uh, breakfast? Never once in my life. Oh, so maybe I've never played football. So in maybe my life. Oh, okay, fair enough. But uh, that's kind of a joke, but sort of not because he did score three touchdowns and he looked, he did have the highlight of the day and he did overcome the uh, the struggles he had with his frosted flakes. <laughs> so good job, Travis. All right, we got one more Carol Baskins, right? Yes, and this one might be the worst one that we have. And this one actually is bad. The other ones are funny, but this one is just, this one just hurts. So we're gonna give our final Carol Baskins of the week to the whole ACC network. I hate them so much! I can't tell you how much I want, I don't normally do this, how much I want to just turn off the sound of the game and just listen <laughs> to silence and watch football more than when I watch the ACC network. It was pitiful. That first quarter, not only was, I mean, I was almost thanking them in a way because Clemson played so poorly, but there were several times where the announcers were like, oh, he uh, recovered the football, or did he catch that? No, he did, no, he didn't. And then also on all the punts and kickoffs, <laughs> the camera could not follow the football for, for the life of them. So come on, ACC Network, be better. Thankfully, this week though, we get the Tigers. When, Jeff Collins, when do we get the Tigers this next week? Saturday noon, ABC. Here's the thing though, I, I don't think we can say too much because it's not like we're amazing at what we do. We're trying hard. But these dudes, and this whole network, millions of dollars put into this, and this is the crap that they come out with? I mean... Well, listen, we put way less money than millions of dollars into this, and we sound better than they do. <laughs> well, we'll leave that up to our viewers, but personally, I agree with you. All right, good. It's the truth. Okay, so those were our Tiger Kings and Carol Baskins of the week. You are... F feel free to let us know what you think. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, or uh, Facebook at Clemson Pod. And uh, we'd love to hear who you thought the Tiger Kings and Carol Baskins of the week were. All right. That is actually going to do it for today's episode. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to join us on Wednesday uh, for our every other daily episode with Will Vanderbort of the Clemson Insider. He's going to be great. Looking forward to that. And of course, we will be back on Friday with the Boston College preview episode. Carter, thanks for being here. Always. Glad. My favorite time of the week. Yes, I'm sure that's true. All right, folks, thanks for joining. Be good out there. We will talk to you in a couple of days. Good bamboo.